Welcome in to the Chief Zone Podcast. Farzim Vasugin here with you back again. Uh, second time this week for another edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the podcast as always. You can do so in a couple of different ways. First way, most of you guys do this on iTunes. If you're subscribed to the podcast, already in good hands. If you're not subscribed, hit the subscribe button and a new episode will download anytime it's available into your iTunes library. You guys can also listen on YouTube. Look for my YouTube page, Farzine Vasugian. I guess I should say YouTube channel. That's a proper term. YouTube channel, Farzine Vasugian. And on my website, FarzineVasugian.com. You guys can also interact with me on social media. I'm going to be reading some of your Facebook posts later today. Speaking of Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugian. And also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. All right, a fairly short show today, and not not a whole lot. There, I, I don't want to get into a couple of things since uh, I, I did talk about the Oakland Raiders possibly moving to Vegas and really what uh, w- what it means for the Kansas City Chiefs. It really doesn't impact the Chiefs directly, but I think as Chiefs fans, this is definitely a headline worth talking about because I, I said this before, and some people caught on on the on the Facebook page uh, when I when I mentioned this last podcast. I said Chiefs fans and Raiders fans may not like this, but they are similar in many ways. Both fan bases are extremely passionate. This is a, both the Chiefs and the Raiders. They have fan bases in which, really, no matter what, when the team's down, those fans are still interested. Chiefs fans and Raiders fans. I mean, let's. Let's look at the Dolphins, for example. They're in Miami, where there's a lot of things going on in Miami. And that's a fairly entertainment-based city. And if the Dolphins are bad, are a lot of people talking about the Dolphins? No. Whereas the Chiefs, even when they're bad, it's still talked about. And fans, they they voice their opinions. We all remember in 2012 when fans were flying banners over the stadium wanting... Uh, a new head coach and general manager. A, a lot went on that year out of bounds with with fans and voicing their thoughts on how bad the Chiefs were. The Raiders, same way. The, the, the thing about the Raiders and the Chiefs, they're always going to get behind their team. They always want what's best for their team. Oh, maybe they may not show up in, in attendance, and rightfully so, when there are bad seasons. But listen, uh, they'll always be watching from home, which... Of course, costs nothing. You can watch from the comfort of your own couch and not have to pay so much money to to park your car, pay pay for drinks and food, and watch a bad football team. Why would you? So overall, I think this move for the Raiders. Look, uh, I, I mentioned this before. Passion fan base. The, the franchise really does deserve a new stadium, but. You've got to feel for these Raiders fans. A lot of Raiders fans have spoke out, burned their jerseys, and uh, just just frustrated with the outcome and that the team's going to be moving soon. Uh, Sirius XM was reporting that it could happen as early as 2019. The Raiders have an option to stay at the stadium for 2018, uh, but uh, they may take that option, according to this report, and then in 2019, they may share a stadium with UNLV. And then in 2020, when the new stadium is planned to be open, the Raiders and UNLV will both be playing in that stadium. 
just off the strip uh, at the very south end uh, of Vegas. So this is uh, this is interesting because I saw someone mention this on Twitter that this is the third time in 14 months an NFL franchise has has relocated. Now the, again, the Raiders haven't relocated yet, but they will eventually. This led to a lot of angry Rams fans, Chargers fans, Raiders fans. Uh, Chargers, they didn't get a lot of backlash from this because San Diego and LA are fairly close to each other. It's I don't even think it's an hour drive, but uh, a lot of people in LA are, are Chargers fans. And look, if you're a Chargers fan, you don't have to go that far to see your team. I, I think the equivalency for Kansas City is, look, if, if you live in... Let's say Spring Hill, Kansas, which is just south of Olathe, south of Johnson County, just right on the borderline there. And I don't know what, what county Spring Hill is in, but the drive from Spring Hill to, let's just say, downtown Kansas City or, or uh, Arrowhead and Kaufman, it's about a, a 40, maybe 50-minute drive. So this isn't like, that's about the same distance from San Diego to LA. So I don't think this is necessarily a huge loss for Chargers fans, but for Raiders fans and Rams fans, uh, they took it pretty hard. Uh, there, there were burned jerseys, a uh, lot of backlash fans just saying negative things about the franchise and that they'll never be fans again. So I took it to Facebook. I wanted to ask you guys, if the Chiefs were to ever move out of Kansas City, and I'm not talking moving across the the, the state in Missouri to St. Louis or moving to KCK or, or any of that, or moving to Des Moines. I'm talking completely out of the Midwest, maybe off to another coast. Would you guys still be fans of the franchise? Got a lot of interesting responses here. So Matt said, of course, preferably if they move closer to me, and I don't know where Matt lives, I, I'm sure I could click on his uh, Facebook page and uh, it might give the city, but uh, I won't do that. Uh, a different Matt. Matt said, I will not be a Chiefs fan if they move. I don't even live in the Midwest anymore. David says no. Just a no. <laughs> hey, less is always more. Uh, Michael says, it's not going to happen. Had stadium renovations uh, not been approved... The only place the Chiefs would have moved was across town to the Legends area, which is where Sporting KC is playing. I don't really know about that. Uh, yeah, perhaps they could be playing close to where the track is, but I don't think they would be moving to the Legends area. Uh, it's easier for a soccer stadium because, uh, look, l- l- let's face it, it's not an 80,000-seat stadium where there's so much traffic there, uh, traffic for a Sporting KC game, and, and not that I've ever been there for a Sporting KC game. I have been in the area when Sporting KC played, but it's not like traffic is completely difficult to live with. It's it's fairly short. It doesn't take that long for things to clear up in the legendary area during a game, or before and after a game, I should say. Uh, Michelle said, yes, though more distant. I'm a fan because of Lamar's story, and I learned of it because I grew up in Kansas. I sure love watching the games in Kansas City. Beto says, yes, forever. Jonathan says, the St. Louis Chiefs, followed by five different emojis, all of them with uh, a negative connotation to the uh, the line there. Uh, Brady says, forever. Jacob says, I'm not sure. Definitely would probably suck to not go to Chiefs games anymore, but maybe still root for them on TV if they're still in the viewing area. Yeah, that's another thing. I didn't even think about this. 
uh, would Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders games, I should say, in a couple of years from now, would they still be televised in in Oakland? Uh, I, look, I know the Chiefs did this when the Rams left for the St. Louis area, and I'm already seeing the 49ers do this, where they're trying to connect both sides of the Bay Area and come together as one and root for the 49ers. So, uh, and of course, how does that affect television ratings? In that in the Bay Area, are, are people in Oakland even gonna care if the Raiders are on TV ever again? Lamont says nope. Eric says for life. Ty says nope. <laughs> so a couple of a couple of you guys with the uh, one word post, uh, but hey, like I said, less is more. Trevor said I would uh, I would, but I'd be a mad fan, and it'd take me a few years to adjust and get over it. With the crying emoji, lol. Irene, yes, I became a Chiefs fan the same time they became the Chiefs. I will be a Chiefs fan till the day I say my last go Chiefs. LM says yes, and uh, a different Eric says, hell yeah, Chiefs forever in capital letters. Uh, Look, look, fair enough. Uh, I'll take everyone's word for what they're saying. I feel like the people who say yes, maybe that's easier said until it actually happens. Like, let's say it's the Chiefs. Who possibly moved to Oakland one day. Or maybe even in, in, in St. Louis. Who knows. Maybe they replaced the Chargers in San Diego. I mean those are big markets. That I think at some point or another. In the next couple of decades. They'll have another NFL franchise. So that's something to, to take into consideration. I think if you're fans. You've got to do what it takes to support your team. And buy the merchandise. And, and show your your support and when it's time for renovations I, I i know taxpayers in jackson county weren't fans of this but uh when it's time you you, you got to be there to support a a team when it's time for a new stadium or renovations now I, again i say that lightly because i still think the owner has to put down a lot of money to to help out here look these nfl owners they're loaded they're rich uh, they've got the the money to do this themselves too, uh, but I think a city should also, if you really want a team, a city should also come together and uh, and spend a little bit of tax money on this too. And I, listen, I understand tax dollars. Uh, people get so frustrated with that because maybe there were some Jackson County taxpayers who absolutely do not care about the Royals or the Chiefs. Uh, so, so there is that part of it too. But at the end of the day, I think for the most part, people in the city obviously love the Chiefs. And uh, if the Chiefs were in need of a new stadium, which could be the case 20, 25 years from now, uh, I think as a city, we've got to think about this. Uh, would we would we be in support of, of having a stadium downtown? What about having the rolling roof or, or maybe a brand new stadium that's in a dome to possibly allow a Super Bowl one of these days? So uh, I, I think as a fan base, it's uh, listen. I know it's the Raiders. We hate them. Uh, whatever. I just think at the end of the day, as a sports fan, it sucks to see a fan base just have this taken away from them, especially a very passionate fan base like the Oakland Raiders. I mean, think about this. How do you explain this to kids who really don't understand the business aspect of sports? This is a team that again. People go out there, they they cheered their hearts out for this team in black and silver, and now this team's moving to Las Vegas. And again, as someone who's visited Las Vegas many times, I'm happy for that city. Plus, they're getting an NHL team. 
But you do feel for fans in San Diego, uh, St. Louis, Oakland, because, uh, you know, you've spent the, a majority of your life knowing that these teams were where they were for the past however many years. I know St. Louis, or not St. Louis, the Rams, I should say specifically, they've moved around a little bit. So have the Raiders. It's it's not like those two teams have stayed in one place, but uh, they've been in Oakland and St. Louis for a while, and now they're moving. And again, like I said, uh, within the last 14 months, we've seen three different NFL franchises relocate, so it kind of makes you wonder, uh, could we be in for a surprise one day? Could the Chiefs Suddenly, not not being Kansas City. Hopefully, that's not the case. But uh, that's why on the off chance, uh, listen. Uh, sometimes you have to just expect the unexpected. And in tough times like this, I think a fan base has to really come out and always be supportive of their team. It's very hard to do during tough times. But I think when the Chiefs were bad in 2012, were fans supportive of the bad product on the field? No. But they were supportive of the team. They want what's best. The way that they voiced their opinions, they did it because they wanted what's best for the team. They wanted the team to improve. They didn't just want the team to go away completely. Fans were frustrated to the point where they said, look, we demand better. So I think that's that's the positive note during a bad season like that because you know your fans want to have a reason to go to Arrowhead. They don't want to go out there and dress up in black like they did for Blackout Arrowhead uh, and fly banners. Of course they don't want to do that. But they did that because they care about the team. So hopefully that's a situation we never have to talk about with the Kansas City Chiefs. As far as what's to come, listen, I, I mentioned I, I love Vegas and, and I think this is exciting. I, I know I, I asked you guys on the Facebook page and a lot of you guys said yes. Uh, some of you guys are even from Vegas, which is pretty cool. Uh, listen, uh, for people who... Go to Vegas once or twice a year. This is it. You you, you now go to Vegas. Uh, you, you try to plan your trip around when the Chiefs will be there. Enjoy Vegas for a couple of days and then go check out the Chiefs on Sunday and then you fly home on Monday. And hopefully you have a good Vegas experience there. I don't think this is, this is going to necessarily be the Raiders stadium where it's the black hole and every single fan is crazy and wild and, and they try to scare off the... Uh, fans of the opposing team it's gonna be a lot of visitors a lot of tourists and i think a lot of people who are in vegas for a raiders game they're gonna want to be there just to check out an nfl game and check out the stadium so uh i i I think the fan environment and atmosphere at this new vegas stadium that's gonna be an interesting thing to see that is gonna be the one thing that i'm curious to see how that looks the most all right, the NFL has come out with a couple of new uh, rule changes. First one is the no leaping over the offensive line uh, for for field goals. And I guess this would also apply for punts and even on offense. I just think this is ludicrous because, first of all, I think a lot of people who, who have fallen victim to having their kicks blocked, they definitely voted for this change to happen. Uh, I definitely don't think the Seattle Seahawks voted against uh, for, for, for the change to happen because, look, I mean, Cam Chancellor has made a living off. Uh, well, maybe not made a living off, but he certainly earned a bigger name uh, in addition to playing uh, great defensively, going out there and blocking kicks the way he has. So, 
this is, to me, it's ludicrous that they have this rule. I don't like it at all. And I think the NFL should reconsider. Uh, this is not a rule that I think should should pass and, and, and be be made in the rule book. One other rule that they're changing, before we completely move on from the Vegas topic, this is kind of interesting. The NFL has a rule. I had no idea about that. There are a lot of rules that... Uh, people don't know about out there the ncaa is so notorious for this they serious they have a huge thick book of rules that not even people employed by the ncaa front office know about this uh but but the nfl has a rule that uh, not many people know about and it's the fact that referees are not allowed to be in the city of las vegas during the season which to me that's kind of interesting because uh, what if you have family from there and there's a very urgent family matter? I, I think that's uh, that's something that you would have to consider, uh, make it make an exception for. Uh, now with the Raiders in Vegas or, or will soon be in Vegas, that is a rule you have to change. And again, I understand why the NFL has this rule because of gambling purposes. No, 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 let me say this. Uh, most referees, yeah, sure, we know them by name, but do we, if if a referee is walking past by you at at a restaurant, be honest, do you really recognize him? I think maybe I'd recognize Ed Hockley and former referee Mike Carey. I think I might have questions as to whether or not Ron Winters looks familiar. Uh, but I'm going to be honest, man, I, I truly can't name all the referees by face uh a majority of these nfl referees i could walk by in a in a target and not know it at all like i i I seriously wouldn't so i feel like first of all i think referees would probably be able to get away with this if they tried hopefully not but even then uh let's be honest let's say you work at a casino do you truly know these referees uh, in the back of your head, uh, you have their their faces memorized. Yeah, I don't think so. So to me, I just think that rule needs to go. I don't want to say go away completely. Should let them be in Vegas, but of course have a rule on gambling. But even again, even then, I just don't know how they can enforce that uh, unless you have NFL security officials at every single casino. And listen, all these casinos are huge. So it's not like you can really monitor every single spot at the casino either. That's just my thought on that. The NFL also, uh, this is a rule that I'm not in favor of at all. They're they're looking to decrease overtime from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. And also do something where both teams are guaranteed position even after a touchdown. Let me just say... The whole possession thing is, is stupid. It just is. Uh, let me just say with the whole time thing, there's always this complaint about ties in the NFL, which I, which I, I don't like. Uh, there were a couple of ties last year, both back-to-back weeks. There was almost a tie between Denver and Kansas City. If Cairo Santos' kick, the game-winning field goal, goes one more inch to the left, it hits the crossbar coming right back out instead of angling inside through the uprights. Um, look, I, I'm in favor of 15 minutes. Uh, I think 15 minutes is fair enough. Uh, then let me address uh, possession in overtime because 
I'm flabbergasted that this is something I have to discuss. Uh, people always whine about how their team didn't have possession in overtime. When you had 60 minutes bef- before overtime, before the end of regulation to prevent a tie. So listen, uh, you play 60 minutes of football and then you play X amount of minutes in overtime. It's not like you never had possession the entire game. I just don't know why fans have to complain so much about overtime possession. Uh so the NFL, uh, they they made a rule change. I, I'm sorry, but I'm speechless about this topic. I, this is a top. This is a rule I hate. I loathe this. This is horrible. The NFL made a rule change where in the postseason, both teams must be guaranteed possession unless the team that gets the ball first scores a touchdown. Tim Tebow kind of broke that rule down the fence when he connected on a touchdown pass on the first play of overtime against the Steelers. So we never really got to see that overtime rule get applied in this game because the Broncos got a touchdown. And because the Falcons did not get possession in overtime against the Patriots in the first ever Super Bowl that went to overtime... There's all this complaint about how the Falcons deserve possession because, let's be honest, the Falcons really deserve possession after blowing that big of a lead. Um, Fans will complain about anything. Uh, Falcons fans will go out and talk about how uh, whoever scored the game-winning touchdown for for, for the Patriots, James White. He James White was barely he just got down uh, right before the line of scrimmage, at least according to these replays, he was like at the half yard line. So even if they did rule him down, the Patriots would have scored on the next play. Falcons fans complain about that. Falcons fans complain about how their team did not get possession in overtime. You blew a twenty-eight to three lead. By the way, uh, fans will talk about anything. Uh, this past week was National Atlanta Falcons Day. Because the score, if you if you read the score, how it was on Fox from left to right, it's it read three to twenty eight. You sh- you should be reading a score with the winning score or the leading score first. But uh, on on TV, on the left you saw three, and on the right you saw twenty eight. And of course, in English, we read from left to right. And there was seventeen minutes left in the game with that score. So on th- those numbers, three twenty eight and seventeen, they used three for March. 28 for the day and 17 for the year. So March 28th, 2017 or 2017, I like to say, that's declared National Atlanta Falcons Day. I'll tell you what, uh, this is just proof that Falcons fans need to shut up and, and stop complaining about overtime rules and possession, as should all fans. Uh, because you had you had possession before. Listen, let me just say, I loved sudden death. I had no problem. Of course, if you have possession first and you score, uh, you, you kick a field goal, fans don't care about that. They love sudden death. But when it goes against them, that's when they complain about the rule. Listen, I remember KU beat K-State uh, at Allen Fieldhouse. Svi Mikhailuk traveled and made the layup. Had, he, had the referees blew the whistle, there would have been a second left and K-State would have went on to win, probably. So, 
of course, Jayhawks fans, they don't, they ignore that there was a, a missed travel call, but if it was the other way around, you know KU fans would have definitely got a, and listen, I know I've been pretty harsh on KU lately, any fan base, okay? I'm just using KU as an example because that's where it happened earlier this year. Again, fans complain about everything. It's ludicrous. It really is. Overtime should be sudden death. You had possession for 60 minutes. You don't need a guaranteed possession. to win. Rely on your defense. Defense wins championships. That's the big motto we hear from time to time. So rely on your defense to go out there and make some plays. I, if anything, please do not ever adopt the college football rules because essentially defense is pretty much ruined. Uh, very rare instances, like when KU beat Texas last season. KU came up with an interception, then they kicked a field goal to win and beat Texas for the first time in forever. I I, I just don't get the argument. You had 60 minutes. Stop crying. Your team lost fair and square. It should be said in death. You're lucky that the NFL has even made adjustments to allow, uh, at least try to allow possession for both teams. All right, a little bit of Chiefs news. I know last podcast we had really nothing to talk about with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, but uh, there's a little bit of news coming out of Phoenix where the NFL uh, annual meetings uh, are are taking place, uh, and general manager John Dorsey gave an update on Travis Kelsey's uh, condition, and Andy Reid also kind of reiterated this. Uh, but he did have off-season shoulder surgery, which was revealed right around uh, when the combine was going on in late February, and uh, Dorsey said, uh, I know from rehabilitation standpoint, he's ahead. Uh, can't say what level he'll be, but he'll be 100% ready for training camp. For OTAs, he may be able to walk through and do some things, but uh, certainly not go at full speed. So that's certainly a good sign because, uh, of course, uh, you want your star tight end. Uh, the, this offense, I, I think, really needs a lot of help, and you definitely need your best players to stick around. Uh, guys like... Travis Kelsey, certainly you want him on the team. Uh, No update on Demetrius Harris, by the way, uh, who in early March uh, was arrested in Bates County on suspicion of felony marijuana possession. Uh, No charges have been filed yet, so the the Chiefs, they can't really make a decision on him if no charges have been been filed. You can't suspend a player, no fines, none of that, until there's a charge there. Okay, I mentioned this last podcast, and I want to get into this, and... I know Chiefs fans aren't privy to this topic because they've heard this a lot locally and then when it finally got out there in the national stage when Tyreek Hill started succeeding, uh, fans got tired of this. And I I wrote, it's funny because I remember I uh, posted an article right before the playoff game about how, uh, about this topic. And it it, it was an article defending Chiefs fans. Some people just read the headline and started attacking me for writing this. Chiefs fans are very sensitive of this subject. And I listen, I, I get it, but I said before, this topic is never going to go away, and the criticism will always be there, and rightfully so. However, and I said this last podcast, and I'm going to talk about this now, as Chiefs fans, I think there's a reason to believe why, you know, if you're having a conversation with a stranger at a, at a sports bar, or wherever it may be, at a party, in you get criticized for being a Chiefs fan and for rooting for Tyreek Hill. You, there is a counter-argument to this because I don't think a lot of people realize that, yes, these 
Tyreek Hill did what he did, but there's another big name pro athlete out there. Didn't necessarily do something as bad as Tyreek Hill. Uh, still fairly bad, but this is a guy who's getting a lot of love still today, and that's UFC fighter John Jones, who he was undefeated. He was the light heavyweight champion, dominant champion, and when when he got in tr- into trouble outside of the octagon, he he was involved in a hit and run, and it was a pregnant woman who who he hit and ran away from in the scene. Uh, dealt with that, and then also was under the influence too. So he got a lot of criticism for that. The UFC vacated the light heavyweight title when he came back. He won the interim light heavyweight title. Then he had a huge match coming up with with a guy who who owned the light heavyweight title, Daniel Cormier. So they were set to fight at UFC 200 this past July, and Cor- uh, Jones. It was discovered that he had used a banned substance. And so because of that, the fight got canceled. The UFC was devastated because it was UFC 200, a milestone event. And he pretty much ruined what, what was supposed to be a huge event because that was the main event of the of the night at, at UFC 200. So John Jones, again, for those not familiar, that's who John Jones is. Amazing fighter, but has really hurt his career uh, because of incidents outside of the octagon. So this is a this is a guy again. Obviously, none of that compares to what Tyree killed it and choking his girlfriend at the time and, and abusing her. But look, a, a hit and run under the influence, and you know, yada into the fact that it was a pregnant woman who was in the other car. That that's no joke, right there. Uh, I, I, my family was involved in a hit and run. My, my parents were in a car and. A woman had hit them, tried to run away. They didn't get very far because the car was busted up. Uh, but that's a very serious charge. And if you're John Jones, you know you, you're going to get caught and it's going to get talked about by the media, especially with your stands, with how big you are. I mean, there's John Jones, Conor McGregor, and Ronda Rousey. Those are the three most talked about fighters in the UFC. Now, oddly enough, none of them are active at the moment. But you get my drift here. UFC fans, I remember uh, in a press conference, for those who don't know, UFC does press conferences in front of the media and in front of fans. They let the media ask questions, and in some press conferences, they allow fans to also ask questions, which is kind of weird, but also has an interesting dynamic. John Jones, uh, again, very popular fighter, he said in, in, in the press conference that he's been sober for three months. The crowd goes crazy for him. His who was supposed to be his opponent, Daniel Cormier, who's the light heavyweight champion, and this was also going to be a rematch between those two because Jones won the first time. Daniel Cormier got on the microphone and said, I've been sober my entire life, and everyone started booing him. So listen, we live in a society where with sports and even with maybe acting or modeling, whatever the case may be, Fans will make an exception as long as you're good. That's just the way it is. And like I said, it's not just in sports. Think of all these little girls who idolize good old Justin Bieber. He's gotten in trouble a couple of times. 
and these girls still love him and still look up to him like he's the hottest guy out there and they love him to death and they'll do anything uh, to attend his shows it just shows you no matter what age whether you're a little girl looking up to uh, to a guy like a singer like him or it's Tyreek Hill or John Jones there are so many exceptions made for people based on their public stance if this was me who did any of these things people are going to call me a scumbag and they're going to say hopefully this guy rots in jail but if it's Tyreek Hill, if it's John Jones, people are going to come to their defense. I know Tyreek Hill was not necessarily loved early on, but I said this on on social media at the time. I said, what if this guy just turns out to be a special player? What what happens then? And I, I got the answer to that question. Uh, well, people are going to end up embracing you and loving you. So this is kind of odd to be in. Uh, I think as, as a Chiefs fan, I'm still kind of having a hard time with it, as are a lot. But listen, if a Chiefs, if a non-Chiefs fan ever criticizes you for it, you can kind of use the counter-argument for John Jones and what he's done. So it's not like Chiefs fans are the only ones who deal with things like this. UFC fans who, you know, it's not like the UFC, they have one, like, allegiance, like a sports team. It's one, it's a fighter and you can either love or hate, love him or hate him. So it's, it's possible 100% of the UFC fan base could root for one guy. And in this case, John Jones is, is heavily rooted for him. I mean, he's, he's a superstar in the UFC. He'll, when he comes back from his suspension, he's going to get a big ovation. And if you're in the camp where you think it's wrong to root for Tyreek Hill, you will think the same thing when fans cheer for John Jones when he comes back. So I just wanted to throw that out there because as someone who's a huge UFC fan, this is something I've kind of thought about but not really in great detail. And John Jones has been talked about a little bit lately and it kind of just made me wonder, why do Chiefs fans get criticized for this when this is occurring at other places too? There are really horrible actions that are occurring with other athletes and they don't necessarily get hated for it. Whereas a guy like Tim Tebow, all he's ever done is put his religion out there, which, yeah, it can be a little too much, but I'd rather a guy brag about his religion than hear about guys getting into trouble off the field. So it's funny, really, as a society, where we are, and, I mean, look who the President of the United States is. I don't think I have to go any further. We really are in a society where negative actions don't necessarily lead to any punishments or or, or they're not necessarily held accountable for for, for their negative actions. There are no consequences. So the public perception of of negative activity, to me, I kind of have a question mark about that. So just go, this is obviously going out way outside of football. But look, uh, if you're a Chiefs fan and you're getting heckled by by someone about this, you know what to say at this point. Uh, look, look at look at I mean, I gave you a couple great examples. Look at our president. Look who, who one of the most popular UFC fighters is right now. So it's out there. There are other people who have done some bad things, but uh, clearly they they've got a lot of support for it. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL.
All right, according to reports, Adrian Peterson, a free agent, has been training with Buccaneers quarterback Jameis Winston. No, it doesn't mean he's going to Tampa Bay. I, I think it's possible they have a past connection and or maybe not even that. Maybe they just became friends at some point or maybe they have the same trainer. Uh, pe- people will look into anything. I remember when Larry Johnson was holding out, he was training with Brady Quinn, who was still waiting on, on a contract agreement with the Cleveland Browns at the time. Uh, Eric Berry, before he got drafted, he was training with Brandon Flowers. So there are times where that connection just ends up happening. Maybe not even intentionally. It's just a coincidence. Uh, I think people are looking into this. I don't think Adrian Peterson is going to Tampa Bay. Uh, And if he does, it's not because he's training with Jameis Winston. A lot of NFL players, they're not on the same team, but they still train together during the offseason. You spend a, a, a lot of time during the regular season around your teammates with your family so you may not see some some friends who you may have uh, around the league and when you have the opportunity in the offseason you, you you try to work out with them so I, I, i'm not looking too much into this i don't think ap is going to tampa bay and if he does it's not because of the the training with winston last thing i want to talk about the chargers have named ladanian tomlinson as a special assistant to the owner now people always get crazy about this because the only reason he gets this job is because he played for the Chargers and listen I, I think this is a great move for the Chargers look at the Royals they have George Brett and Mike Sweeney guys who are both in the Royals Hall of Fame George Brett in the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame uh, those are guys who are assistants to the general manager for the Kansas City Royals so these are guys former players earn these roles because for one they played there they were great and two because of their past success they want to see the team succeed like guys like Mike Sweeney and uh, George Brett they were thrilled to see the Royals win the World Series there was no bitterness there or at least on Mike Sweeney's end because he never had that opportunity but they want to see the team succeed they want to see the team move forward and do well they're always going to have the best interest in the team so I think this is a great move for the Chargers to allow LaDainian Tomlinson to be part of the team's front office uh, in at least some manner because you know he's always going to have uh, the best interest in the team uh, obviously tabbed as the best player in Chargers history maybe by a lot of people at least so I think this is a great move for the Chargers. He's a great ambassador, and he's going to look out for the team and try to help them improve in any way possible. Let's go out of bounds. All right, a little bit of controversy in college softball of all sports. Uh, some uh, drama in SEC territory. Auburn's shortstop... Haley Fagan, she uh, she was in line to do the handshakes with the opposing team, and she was getting ready to a- a- approach Florida coach Tim Walton in line because uh, you guys all see the picture of this. They're in line, they get ready to shake hands with the opposing team, high five, whatever. Fagan slowly put her hands down as soon as it was time for her to shake hands with Walton, the coach for Florida. And Walton, and two, this could be seen as two ways. Walton either pushed her gently because she put her hand down, or it's possible he just had his face straight ahead. Listen, th- these high fives, they do it all the time. It's not the most exciting thing. But I think it's possible he did not even see that 
he realized he wasn't touching any anyone's hand, so he he moved closer, and it just turned out he pushed her by the shoulder a little bit unintentionally. So Fagan was not happy about this. She got back in the line and pushed him from behind. He stopped, creating a lot of awkwardness and tension in the line. The, the entire line just stopped looking at the incident. And players had to get in the way and separate the two. There's a backstory to this. Fagan, the the girl who didn't offer to put a high five there, she had two sisters who played for Walton at Florida. They were kicked off the team five years ago. Uh, there are a lot of rumors as to what happened. Some incident with another player uh, that became a distraction and Walton ended up kicking the two sisters and another player off the team. Walton ended up apologizing in a statement that was posted out on social media. He avoided the subject about the sisters and what happened five years ago. He simply said that he didn't intend for this to happen and he feels like it was a distraction from the game. Uh, listen... Uh, this is college softball. This is the only time I have ever read about college softball. Really. Uh, I mean, being at KU, yeah, I was around it a little bit, being with student media there. Other than that, this is the first time I've ever read a story about anything college softball related. It is not even about the game. It's about what happened after the game. And I think because it's a female college student uh, having an altercation with a male coach, I think that just adds to the story a little bit. So uh, this is definitely, I think you've got to be careful in this situation. I think both of them were in the wrong. Whether the coach meant it or not, uh, you know, who who knows? People are saying it's too big of a coincidence. It was an accident. It it just so happened that she was sisters with those, with two players who got kicked out. Uh, Tell me, man, uh, a lot of things appear to be a coincidence in life. (laughs) That's what I've learned over the years. Um, to me, look, they were both in the wrong. I mean, look, don't be bitter, bitter about the past. Just high five, get over it, and move on. Uh, the whole thing could have been avoided if she were to do that. Final segment, let's throw some flags. Okay, Facebook just uh, revealed a new feature, which... You can now do stories on Facebook. It started off on Snapchat. Now it's on Instagram. Uh, look, I think I think social media stories are cool and all. But, man, if you're one of those people that's excessively doing stories on all three social media outlets, get a life, please. I, I mean, I, I do it on Snapchat sometimes. Then other times I'm like, all right, screw Snapchat. I'll, I'll just do it on Instagram. But now to have another social media, I just want to know which social media website is going to is going to have this story feature used the most because that's where I want to use it. Uh, I, I, again, I think it's a fun feature on social media, but man, to have it on three different websites now, and I, I think it's on other social media websites that aren't used as often. But if you even do it on there, get a life, please. It's just really funny seeing how some people use social media, uh, posting their family drama or their life drama onto Facebook for everyone in the world to read about. And now people use their Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram. So it's, please, come on. I use Facebook for, of course, to talk about certain things, but I also use it 
I'm sarcastic so much on social media. I mean, a lot of things I say on Facebook, some people take so seriously in the comment section. I just get a laugh when I respond to some people on there. It's it's crazy. Uh, this story is kind of crazy, too. Uh, from Reuters.com, seven young contestants from around the United States put their best and smelliest shoe forward at the 42nd National Rotten Sneaker Contest in New York City on Tuesday. 12-year-old Connor Slocomb, Slocomb, Connor Slocomb claimed first place for having the worst, smelliest sneaker after three prior attempts to win the contest in years past. Imagine if you're a parent. Son, I'm proud of you. You have the smelliest sneaker in the world. What are we doing in society? Do we have to have a contest for every single thing out there? Like, like let's have a contest for which kid has the messiest room ever. Like, p- parents, take a picture of your kid's room, publish it to this email right here, and we will determine who has the messiest room. If your child's room is the messiest, give them this trophy just so they can throw it in their pile of mess in their room. What's going on with society? I, apparently, there have been 42nd or uh, 42 other uh, uh, national smelly sneaker contests that I was unaware of. Oh, boy, this is the podcast where I'm speechless the most. Just what people complain about. The types of competitions that people have. Let's have a contest for, you know, you know there are pageants out there. And and they have them even for, for little girls. Those are great. Of course, those can lead to greater things. What is having a smelly sneaker going to lead to? I mean, if my kid was like the, the smelliest kid in school, I don't know if I could be proud of that. So, hey, if they're proud, uh, good for them, man. Who am I to say what parents should be and should not be proud of? Imagine the kid. Hey, Mom, Dad, I have the smelliest sneaker in the world. Well, apparently you stink, kid. Uh, I'll tell you who else stink. Uh, The Kentucky fan base. Uh, This is absolutely asinine. This is just horrible. A referee, I guess, made an egregious error in the Kentucky-Florida game in the Elite Eight last weekend. And, you know, I, I hate to say this is this is part of the norm because this does happen occasionally. He's getting death threats from Kentucky fans. But Kentucky fans, in addition to burning TVs, they took things a step further. They found out that this referee owns a roofing company. So Kentucky fans went on to his roofing website and they put lots of bogus reviews, one-star reviews, saying how horrible the company is and that no one should go with them. Look, I don't care if you're a big corporation like Walmart or McDonald's or if you're a mom-and-pop shop. Every single business today in 2017 where everyone's on their iPhones trying to find the nearest store or the nearest gas station or the nearest fast food restaurant, every single business today thrives on good ratings there are so many businesses out there so many industries that we may not even be aware of uh there are so many services out there that people can take advantage of but people aren't going to use it unless they see positive reviews for that for that company 
So when you see a company, a guy, this referee who also owns a roofing company, and he's getting bad reviews all because of a sports game, it really just shows you that some people just really don't see the big picture in life. They take sports way too seriously. I mean, I, I kind of said it earlier. I mean, I mentioned the, the people. They're all pe- people will go on Facebook and all these different uh, social media sites and just post all their stories on all every single social media website because they have nothing better to do. Uh, people put their kids out there for smelly shoe contests. Why? Because they don't know what else to do with their kid. And now here we are. Kentucky fans fed up with a referee, so they go on his personal into his personal life, his business, and they start leaving horrible reviews uh, when these aren't even legitimate reviews. It's a scam. And again, I don't care if you're a big company like Walmart or McDonald's. Every business today depends on good ratings. I'm going to tell you what. I recently moved in August to Olathe, and there's a fast food restaurant that I like to go to. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say the name for negative publicity, but there's a fast food restaurant close to me that I considered going. I read the reviews online, and there are a lot of horrible reviews, and you can damn be sure that I'm not going to go to that fast food restaurant. People keep complaining about how the the food is cold, uh, it takes forever to get your food, not worth it. So to me, uh, yeah, of course that that's going to impact my decision. I, I'd rather go eat somewhere else instead. Same thing's going to happen to this poor guy who has a roofing company. And look, people need adjustments, uh, some repairs with their roof. And people aren't going to go to this guy because idiot Kentucky fan. And I hate name calling, but I'm sorry. Some people do truly do deserve it. These moronic, no-life Kentucky fans have to go on this guy's website and try to ruin his life. It's just a freaking game. Get over it. I'm a Kansas fan. I'm fed up with what happened at uh, with, with uh, the, the Jayhawks. I, I, I'm definitely fed up with Bill Self, but I'm not trying to ruin Bill Self's life. I think there's a huge difference in just taking a loss and, t- and taking sports way too seriously. It's okay to be pissed off. For a sporting event, I'm still pissed off how the Chiefs lost the playoff against the Steelers, scoring two more touchdowns and still not winning. And yeah, sure, a bad call in the end of it, but by all means, I'm not letting that run my life. And it's really, it's a shame to see Kentucky fans do this. It really does give sports a bad name. It takes away from the fun of sports. Hopefully, there. Calipari wrote a t- tweet earlier this week saying, I love Kentucky fans. I brag that we have the classiest fans out there. Please keep it that way. Obviously, he doesn't want to explicitly say what he's referring to, but we all know what he's explicitly referring to. And it's these Kentucky fans who are taking sports a little too seriously. Uh, I've heard, I I read this in in a book from Tom Hedrick, and I've heard this from other broadcasters, coaches, players, that oddly enough, and I think it's easier said because college players uh, they uh, they have a, a free ride and pro athletes they make money out of this but I've heard a lot of people say that fans sometimes take losses way harder than coaches and players involved in the game I think as fans if you do that whether you're a Chiefs fan a Kentucky fan whatever step back reevaluate your life and just realize that there are 
more important things out there in sports. There's no reason to try to ruin a referee's life because of a, a bad call or a missed call. That's ludicrous. I hope something can be done about that guy's business because that's completely wrong. Th- that is money going down the drain. Why? Because of a sporting game. That's all. I'm Farzim Vasugan. Hate to end the show on such a bad note, but I really wanted to get that out there. Uh, hopefully none of you guys are like that. Hopefully all you Chiefs fans or, or even non-Chiefs fans listening to this are classy fans and appreciate you guys, as always, listening to the Chief Zone podcast. One important note, I did an episode of the Cage Zone podcast. It is available on iTunes, and just like the Chief Zone podcast, it is available on YouTube, on my channel, Farzine Vesugian, and on my website, farzinevesugian.com. So if you're also an MMA fan, if you love the UFC, we even talk about non-UFC promotions, Bellator, WSOF. If you're a fan of MMA, please check out the podcast. It's the Cage Zone podcast. Again, it's out there on iTunes, my website, and on my YouTube channel. So please check it out on there. I'll also post it on all my social media outlets. So for those who want to click on it from there, you guys can do so as well. Facebook.com slash Farzine Give my Facebook page a like. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzinevesugian.com. Haven't, haven't been a lot of Chiefs news lately, so hopefully we can get something to talk about next week. Uh, probably I'll, I'll expect the show... Next Friday, let's go with that date. So uh, unless something huge happens, I'll, I'll do a show right away. But until then, I'll talk to you guys next weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.